Welcome to the Strategic Leader Podcast, a program all about transforming minds and developing leaders. Our goal is to challenge your thinking, expand your vision, and awaken the emerging leader in you. Now, here is your leadership mentor and coach, and the host of the Strategic Leader Podcast, Brian Holmes. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 143 of the Strategic Leader Podcast. We are indeed gathering leaders from all over the world. We're talking about personal and leadership development. Today, I'm going to tackle a subject that I think is so important to the awakening that is necessary to see transformation around the world. I'm talking about secular versus sacred. Is it really an either-or proposition? Well, it's great to have you with us today, and I am excited about this topic. In fact, I have been really kind of diving into this on a personal level more and more of late. And it's not as though we haven't talked about some of the uh, ancillary subjects surrounding this idea, but I am really concerned that there is this chasm, this incredible separation between what is commonly referred to as secular and sacred. One of the greatest needs that we have in our culture, in our world really, is that of strong, principle-centered, and I will use the word godly leadership. And by that I mean, I'm not trying to wax super spiritual here. I'm just saying there needs to be some basis of righteousness and goodness applied in leadership in all the spheres of life. And as we've discussed many times on the program, in order for positive change to occur throughout the respective areas of our culture, there must be intentional leadership administered in those areas. In other words, leadership doesn't happen by accident. Leadership is a decision. It is the administration of a set of beliefs, an agenda, a thought process. And at some point, an individual or a group of people have decided we're going to lead in this area, which means we're going to put forward our agenda. We're going to put forward our strong beliefs, our convictions, our our heart, that this is the direction we believe we should go in a respective area. Well, all of you obviously know that I am a, a Christian, and let me define that as I am a Christ follower. I am so deeply in love with my Savior, and I do, in fact, uh, pursue every day of my life a relationship with my Heavenly Father. Because of this, my worldview is one that is grounded in or founded in biblical principles, biblical values, morals, spiritual laws, and actual laws, things that that are really they're they're really non-negotiable in many ways because they are principles and principles most often don't expire now i understand that when it comes to religion or when it comes to the way a person lives their life and 
when it comes to maybe the interpretation of a law or the interpretation of a principle, that there is obviously a thousand ways that people can come at that. And obviously, uh, respect and honoring one's position. Uh, I tell people all the time, you have the right to be wrong. (laughs) Many of these types of things obviously have to do with personal preference. But there are a lot of principles. There are a lot of spiritual laws. There are a lot of commands in Scripture. There are a lot of values and morals that, in my mind, are non-negotiables. And I think if we're going to to apply leadership, we have to agree at some point that not everything is relative. There are some absolutes that must be considered. Well, I digress. This is true in every part of society. And it takes active, intentional leadership to shape a generation, to shape a nation, to shape a movement. With that being said, one of our greatest challenges is this idea of dualism. And I'll explain more about that in a moment. But many people believe that there are two very distinct and separate arenas in which we as individuals live our life. There's the sacred or the spiritual, and then there's the secular or the practical or the physical. And religion has in many ways put forth an idea for decades that the two shall never meet, that we must keep them separated. Well, Governments have advocated the separation, let's say, of church and state, meaning keep spiritual things out of our practical everyday life. These ideas are not new to our world or to our culture, but we need to understand how this concept can actually be counterproductive to the things we're we're wanting in life. You know, there are many people that believe there's no place for any spiritual input whatsoever in the practical world. Well, today I'm going to challenge that line of thinking. My hope is to to prompt you, maybe even convince you, to at least consider that God never intended for us to compartmentalize our lives in such a way. I'd like to help you see that your relationship with God, that is, assuming you profess that, or your relationship with yourself, your calling, your vocation, your job, your ministry, whatever you want to talk about, all of those must intersect or converge at the place called purpose. If we believe, that each of us are created with a purpose, with a design. There's something substantial, something meaningful that we can contribute in our lifetime. Then we cannot separate the idea that all these facets of life converge at one place. We really can't separate them. On today's program, I want to share with you on this topic, secular versus sacred. Is it really an either-or proposition.
Well, my thesis today is pretty simple. If I were just to, to say to you that if we continue to segment our lives into these compartments, secular versus sacred, in doing so, we diminish our ability to be salt and to be light. And we essentially abdicate our leadership responsibilities in the culture. Let me just suggest to you that whether you're living your leadership responsibility and role or not is really irrelevant because if you're not in the place you're supposed to be, someone is leading in that void. So if we're not inserted, literally, and I mean literally inserted, placed intentionally into the areas in our culture that need leadership, well, how can we lead? You have to be present to lead. You've got to be in the mix to lead. You have to be, you have to be in the game if you expect the ball to be handed to you. Another metaphor that I talk about often is salt and light. If salt is not applied to a dish, then the dish remains the same. The environment that is that particular recipe, it will have many ingredients. It will have all kinds of things added to it. But if salt is not added, then the salt has no effect. In the same way, we are called salt and light, metaphorically speaking, meaning that it is our design to be added to an environment that needs what we bring to the environment. And by us being inserted into the environment, the environment is fundamentally changed. Same thing with light. If darkness exists, light offsets darkness. Light does you no good if the light is never added to the element that it's needed to dispel darkness. So my premise is very simple. I believe that the idea of secular versus sacred, this either-or proposition, is counterintuitive, counterproductive. It is, it's frankly in opposition to our designed purpose. So let me take you to another place right now. What does the word secular even mean? What does it mean? How is the word secular defined? Let's, let's don't talk about, well, we can't be secular, or that's secular. That does... Like we, we talk about things like, that is not something I'm supposed to be a part of. Well, let me tell you what the word secular means. This is Webster's Dictionary's definition. Secular is, it means of or relating to the worldly or the temporal. It's the day-to-day stuff. It's work. It's life. It's your car. It's relationships. It's what you touch, feel, sense with your with your eyes, ears, your nose. It's, it's the things that you are physically engaged in on a day-to-day basis. They're temporal, yes. They are temporal. But life, depending on how long God gives you, you're going to touch and engage and be interfacing with a lot of temporal things. So what is our role with those temporal things? Well, let's continue. Secular is of or relating to worldly or temporal things not overtly or specifically religious, not ecclesiastical or clerical. 
The second part of the definition is not bound by monastic vows or rules. Now, I want to stop there. Let's, let's not get too technical here. Let's just say that anything that is relegated as being secular, then now certain rules don't apply to it, meaning, and let's, let's bring this into context, you got spiritual and you have non-spiritual. You have secular, you have sacred. So if we deem something secular, what we're saying is we cannot apply spiritual rules, spiritual principles, or biblical values to it. We're, we're just right up front saying, okay, that is a compartment all its own. Therefore, I will not apply what I know to be true by my spirit, man, into the secular space. <laughs> That's a problem. The third part of the definition is this. It denotes attitudes, activities, or other things that have no religious or spiritual basis. So we're saying anything that we call secular has no spiritual basis whatsoever. Meaning, and you'll just allow me to uh, digress into my pastor mode for a moment here, meaning that God has nothing to do with it. Meaning that heaven has no design or no purpose or no plans for it. It means that God has no particular preference as to how you go about doing it. It means that we're going to leave God out of it completely. So the word secular, if you really look at it closely, and I'm going to summarize those three together in just one phrase here, it means to intentionally leave God, his principles, his word, and the spiritual part of who we are out of all of our other business. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if that's what that word means, I have a problem. Because if you apply this definition, you essentially remove all spiritual, all heavenly, or all godly influence from those things that you've deemed secular. By buying into or living your life around this idea that work, work, yeah, getting up and going to work every day, that work is a secular activity, well, what you're saying then is, is that your ability to create, your ability to build, your ability to acquire wealth is completely a separate issue and has nothing to do with God or his plans for your life. Well, goodness gracious, that makes no sense. If you take this to yet another extreme, as, by the way, many people do, you might think, well, why, why even worry about being creative? Why, why worry about working? I just want, I'm, work is temporal and it's not going to last. And no, doesn't matter how much money I make, it's, I'm, I'm not going to be able to take it with me when I go, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's fine. But if, if you want to take it to the extreme, you could say, why worry about creating? Why worry about building a business? Why worry about growing a ministry? Why, why worry about acquiring wealth? Those things are not spiritual. Therefore, they cannot be good for me. Wait a minute. You are a spirit being, but you have been given an assignment in a flesh body in an earth that requires you to engage culture. So if God created the earth and everything in it, if he, if he created the idea of, of wealth and acquisition and influence and leadership, then how can we call those things not good? Because everything he does is good. 
this separation between what is called secular and what is called sacred, this, the, this separation is actually limiting mine and your ability to lead the culture. By the way, leadership, as you remember, is influence. So if we continue to embrace and live out the mindset that some things are sacred and everything else is not, then we're actually removing ourselves from the field of play. We're literally dispositioning ourselves from the very place where God wants to insert us so that his kingdom, his mind, his heart, his agenda, his plans can actually come to fruition. Well, in my mind, this is in part why Christians are not taken real seriously. Because we we participate in our religious duties. We go to church. We depending on what kind of background you're from, we sing our hymns or we we go to mass or we do our worship service and we raise our hands and we're very exuberant and we listen to a pastor or a teacher who provides a sermon or a teaching or some sort of uh, edification by way of the word of God. We do all of that and we then we pat ourselves on the back and we say, well, we've done it. We've now done our sacred thing and tomorrow I've got to go back into my secular deal and just, you know, that was my God deal. Now I'm going to go do my other deal. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a self-defeating mindset. It is not God's way of doing things because what we're saying is we'll let a pastor lead us in spiritual things but we're going to let someone else lead us in every other area of our life it's a problem so where did this idea even come from where did this isolation separation mindset even originate well I want to share with you some things here from a book called Your Work Matters to God. The authors are Doug Sherman and William Hendrickson. Uh, there's so much that I could say about, about this writing, but let me just read to you an excerpt from that book. The whole idea of secular versus sacred or secular versus religious is actually a Greek idea. These Greek ideas have been clothed in biblical language and have for the most part been passed down unchallenged to succeeding generations of Christians. As a result, most of us today bring assumptions to the biblical text, assumptions based on a worldview that was originally articulated by Plato, Aristotle, Plotinus, and other Greek thinkers. Likewise, if you've been around much Christian teaching, you've undoubtedly been influenced by at least some Greek ideas. Not saying that any of this is overtly uh, or purely pagan, but they go on to say, we suggest that Christianity in our culture has absorbed from its tradition a number of subtle beliefs that trace back to Greek philosophy. Nevertheless, Reading the Bible through Greek philosophers' eyes or through Greek glasses can severely distort the truth of God's Word. 
we will think that the Bible says things it does not say, and we will overlook important things it does say. The result will be a distorted view of life and a distorted view of work. Wearing Greek glasses, one would tend to ignore or disparage everyday work. This is how work looks when viewed through Greek lenses. Now, Sherman makes an excellent assessment here of how many Western societies have been affected by the philosophies and culture of Greek influence. Now, here in the United States of America, we speak English, but we really think Greek. Uh, Really. I'm not sure if you're aware, but so much of our, our underlying thinking is based in Greek philosophy. Our focus on competition the segmentation of life that is secular versus sacred, rationalism and reasoning all move us to a goal of a more intellectual position as it relates to our faith instead of just trusting the God of our faith. The root of this is the Greek or Hellenistic civilization. It has been so much a part of our thinking and way of viewing life that we have lost our ability to understand God or to relate to him as the early church did. Let me give you some history on how this works. As Christianity grew and extended its borders outside of Jerusalem, believers became influenced by a wide array of philosophies. The purity and the power of the message were affected by a dominant culture, which, by the way, was in fact the Greek culture. The time following the two major Jewish revolts, that that is in AD 70 and AD 135, saw a Greek man-centered view of the world begin to reshape the church. Early Greek scholars like Plato introduced something called dualism, D-U-A-L-I-S-M, And dualism says that life is divided into two compartments, the spiritual and the physical, the eternal and the temporal, if you will. Plato's dualism entered the church through many of the church fathers that were Greek philosophers who had been converted to Christianity. And they were attempting in their own way to marry the two ideas, the the new covenant of grace and faith and kingdom to the Greek philosophy of dualism where, okay, we have our spiritual thing, but then we have our physical thing. Two different things. In many respects, ladies and gentlemen, what eventually became a Christian tenet, that is the separation of these two areas secular and sacred, originated in a pagan Greek philosophy. You go to any theological institution or Bible school around the country, and you're going to hear presented as a truth, as a theology, that there is supposed to be a definite literal separation, even isolation, between what is spiritual and sacred, and what is worldly or secular. I have a question. 
in fact, I have a conflict. While the scripture does say, and again, I, I would encourage you not to take these things out of context. You must read the entire passage. But there is a verse that's been used many times. It says, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Well, if you read the entire passage, you'll recognize very quickly that it's not talking about isolation and and cultism and grow, going into a cocoon and not be, living life and doing life. Because if you were to believe that, then you'd have to now deal with the scripture that says, go ye therefore into all nations, penetrate every area of culture, proclaim the kingdom of God. I'm sending you forth, he said, Jesus said, as sheep in the midst of wolves. Well, hello, we're not supposed to go sheep to sheep. We're supposed to go sheep to wolves. Hello, hello. And he said, by the way, I'm sending you there. Be wise about it. Be harmless. Don't create a lot of havoc, but, but I'm sending you there because I need what is in you to infiltrate that space. Jesus also said, you are the salt of the earth. Hmm. If the salt has lost its potency, how in the world is anything going to get salted, he said. And by the way, what good is salt if it's lost its potency? He says the only, only thing that happens to salt when it's lost its potency is it gets walked on. And ladies and gentlemen, that's where we are today in our culture. Morals, principles, godly values are being trampled upon because Christians are busy being religious and they're not busy being leaders. He said, be salt, be light. Bring heaven into the earthen realm. Stand for righteousness, stand for truth. So how do we, how do we reconcile the come out from among them or be separate and the salt and light idea? Is it an either-or proposition? Do we, do we get to choose between those two things? Do we, do we either isolate ourselves or do we go? <laughs> I don't think there's contradiction in the Scripture. I really don't. I think it's not an either or. I think it is a both and. If you think about the seven spheres of cultural influence, religion, family, government, education, the arts and the entertainment industry, the media, the business sector where money and finances are generated. When you think about those seven areas, most Christians would regard numbers two through seven, or at least three through seven, as off limits. Well, that's the job for somebody else. That's the world system. We're not going to deal with that. We're just going to have church. We're going to do church. We're going to be religious, and the rest of it can just go to hell in a handbasket. Well, I'd like to suggest to you that these areas in our culture, religion, yes, even religion, family, oh, God, do we need leaders and families, government, education, the arts, entertainment industry, media, business, these areas are screaming. They're crying out. They're desperately in need of principle-centered leadership. And so many people are on the sidelines. 
I'm going to address another area of this right now that may be controversial to some, but there are those that feel a very strong sense of calling on their life. If you've been a Christian very long, you might you might phrase it as, I, I feel like God has called me to do ministry. And if you feel that and you subscribe to the traditional religious way of looking at this, or I should I say the original Greek way of looking at this, you might assume that the only way to answer that call is to leave your quote-unquote secular vocation and pursue what is often referred to as quote-unquote full-time ministry. You know, I know a lot of people who have done exactly that. And many of them find out years down the road that they're unfulfilled, they're frustrated, they're not tapping into their creativity and their purpose and their passions because God did not call them to quote-unquote full-time religious ministry. God called them to the marketplace. And they were in the right place. They just hadn't understood that their ministry was right there. Their heart was in the right place. But the information on which they were making their decision was flawed. They were working on the assumption that they had to choose between ministry or business. They had to choose between ministry or teaching. They had to choose between ministry or acting or theater or music or or sports. It's always this either-or deal. And ladies and gentlemen, with everything in my heart today, I want you to hear me say, it is not an either-or proposition. I want to speak to pastors for a moment, and I, I'm qualified to speak to you because I, I have been in pastoral ministry, quote-unquote, for more than 25 years of my life. Those of you who are presently working full-time in a church or in a ministry setting of some kind, listen, I speak to pastors every single week almost, at least every couple of weeks, who are tired, burned out, unfulfilled, wounded, frustrated. They're done. They're hurting. Why is that? Well, you know, here's here's a thought. In my coaching practice, I, I help people often who are in quote-unquote secular jobs, you know, that worldly stuff. They're, they're working a regular job, but they're feeling tired, burned out, unfulfilled, wounded, frustrated. They're hurting. And what do I do in my coaching practice? I help those individuals make a shift. I advise them that God did not create them to do work that they hated or to engage in a career that was unfulfilling. I help them to discover where their heart is, where their passion is, where they can tap into a fruitful labor, a happy labor, a sweatless kind of a deal where, yeah, it's hard work, but my gosh, I, if I could think of anything else to do, I, I just wouldn't. I, I love doing what I'm doing. We don't have a problem with coaches helping people that are in the secular marketplace to find their niche. Why should we not use the same approach with quote-unquote sacred vocations, pastors, church leaders, people who are who are somehow they feel as though they have this either or deal. They have to choose between ministry or marketplace. And they're doing ministry because their heart is to serve people. Their heart is to help people. Their heart is to love people. Their heart is to serve their community. 
But someone along the way told them that the only way they could do that was in a church setting or in a mosque or in a temple. I want to share with you, ladies and gentlemen, my heart tells me right now that there are a lot of you who are struggling because somebody told you that you had to compartmentalize the spiritual and the physical. You had to have this line of delineation between what is sacred and what is secular. Well, I believe that your ministry, your calling, the fulfillment of your destiny is wherever God created you to be. It might be in a pulpit. It might be in a Sunday school classroom. It might be in a religious organization. But it could be that the field you're laboring in right now is exactly where you're supposed to be and all that needs to happen is a little mental shift to recognize it's not an either-or proposition. You see, here's the deal. If you're a Christian, I can talk to you like this. If God is in you and you are in him, then everything you do and everywhere you go, every environment you enter will be affected by and influenced by your spiritual DNA. You can't separate who you are and what you do. It's not an either-or proposition. I'm, I'm really reaching for somebody today. I know in my heart there are people that sense, gosh, something has to change. And I really believe that a part of your frustration might be that you've been fighting to keep this 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 old belief system intact. And I want to challenge you today to think of it from a different angle. I'm not sure there's anything that I would consider secular. You know why? Because I believe that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That means whatever's here, if it's not presently serving his purposes, then, then that arena needs leadership to step up that can be salt and be light and administer heaven's heart toward these seven spheres. I want to encourage you. Find your place. I want to encourage you. Don't live two lives. Don't do church on Sunday or Saturday and then treat the rest of your days like a completely separate department. No. God created you. God has given you a particular task or destiny or role or assignment, whatever you want to call it. And wherever you are, that is where you shine. Secular versus sacred. It is not an either-or proposition. Well, you can find the show notes for this episode at brianholmes.com forward slash 143. That's 143, and we trust that that will be a benefit to you. Also, we're still offering our free 
course, The Four Cornerstones for Strategic Living, as our gift to you. Go to our website, top right-hand corner. You'll find that available there. Uh, Just put your information there, and we will get that to you right away. Also, I want to encourage you, if you know somebody who needs to hear this episode, let them know about it. Share it on social media, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Google+, Snapchat. I'm just kind of figuring out Snapchat, by the way. Kind of interesting. But wherever it is you hang out and engage with your friends, your family, let them know what's happening here at brianholmes.com. I have a few closing thoughts for you. Hey, stop trying to keep your spiritual life and your daily life separate. That takes so much work. Just stop and understand that they're one and the same. Understand that who you are and what you have to offer is desperately needed in the area where God has created you to work. And your highest service is to take the God in you into the field where you're called. Serve well. Lead well. Work hard. Build a legacy. You can and you will change your generation. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Strategic Leader Podcast. We trust that this program has added value to your life and to the development of your leadership potential. You can join our growing community of strategic influencers by connecting with us at brianholmes.com and by sharing this podcast with others who are seeking to take their life and leadership to the next level. May God bless you immensely. And until next time, remember this, you are created to lead.